Oh, right, all right. Welcome to 40th episode of the Drop Pass podcast, bud. And today, as I promised, we will take an early look at the upcoming 2022 entry draft and also check the results from the NHL's first round playoff matchups. The annual draft lottery was held this week and fortunately my beloved Canadians claimed home the big pot with the best odds and are going to be the first team picking on July 7th in Bell Center. In this episode we will take a look at the top prospects of this draft class and see how the Central Scouting Network has ranked these young guns ahead of this summer's offseason. Playoffs have started out with a bang and the remaining 8 teams are waiting for the quarterfinals to start. So if you want to hear more playoff coverage, go leave a rating for the podcast and press that follow button to keep up with the episodes in the future. But I think we should start with the first round results and I don't want to keep you waiting for too long. So we will jump straight to the action and let the intro music roll for this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get going. And so it has begun the playoff spring of 2022 and boy let me tell you it's been an electrifying first week and a half. We've seen unexpected turns where many main starting goaltenders have been out with injuries and so many backups have had to step up and some teams have even dressed their backups back up to deploy a playable goaltender for the playoffs. Also, in the first round we saw 5 games in total to go full 7 games and thus got people even more excited for the remainder of the playoffs with such a dramatic start for this year's postseason. There hasn't been a dull series thus far and even the Preds vs Av series was an exciting one as long as it lasted since we at least got to see the pure dominance of the Colorado squad in the 4 games they played. The big dogs of the Avs were primed, Kale McCarr put an absolute clinic on the blue line, and just like Daryl Sutter said, for the Preds this ended up being a total waste of 8 days, but what were the expectations going in? Saros wasn't able to play as anticipated, but the silver lining for the Preds probably was the fact that their netminder, Connor Ingram, could hang with the best of them on the NHL level and could be their backup heading into the next season even though he wasn't able to stretch out the series to more than four games. Big Save Dave was absolutely atrocious in their crease and was benched pretty early on, so I'm pretty sure that he won't stay in the Music City for that much longer. Decent showing from their top line players and even their depth was able to chip in offensively, but that just wasn't enough against a Central's powerhouse who continues to march towards the conference finals. So one could say that it was a solid showing for what they had going into this series, even though the Avalanche swept them out of the playoffs in just four games, pun intended. The Blues marched over the Minnesota Wild in six games, Jordan Binnington took the spotlight at the end for the notes, while the top lines were rock solid throughout the series, and Vladimir Tarasenko seemingly shifted gears, so this team should provide strong resistance for the Avs in the next round. How much is it going to affect in the end is a good question when looking at the current form of the Avalanche squad, but nevertheless it's going to be another electrifying matchup in the quarterfinals. 
they made their way to the quarters fairly easily so they might be facing a lengthy series if they're not poised enough to completely forget the previous series against the Preds and start to focus on their next task in hand. The Panthers as well secured their spot in the quarterfinals and are going to face the Bolts in the next round in a battle of Florida who once again upset the Leafs nation in the seventh game of the series. And we are bound to see another exciting series between these two Eastern juggernauts. The Canes rolled over the Bees in six games thanks to Anteranta's heroics. Connor McCheat code skated rings around the Kings and dragged the Oils to the second round. And the final teams that made their way to the quarterfinals were the Rangers and the Flames. So as I expected, we will see the Battle of Alberta as well as the Battle of Florida and overall 7 out of 8 correct so far. And impressively, almost every higher seed team, not including the Wild, progressed to the next round of the playoffs. So great matchups ahead and interested to see which teams carry the momentum to the next round from their first round battle. But now to our draft coverage. So... As I said, the 2022 draft lottery took place as well this week and as I mentioned, the Montreal Canadiens took home the first overall pick of the draft and will most certainly draft the consolidated number one guy of this draft and don't even question that decision. The right-handed centerman from Kingston Frontenacs, Shane Wright, as their new franchise number one center. Second overall pick went to New Jersey, who jumped up from the initial fifth spot the third spot belongs to Arizona, Seattle will pick at the fourth spot, and the top five is concluded by the Philadelphia Flyers. The rest of the lottery picks go as follows. Number six, Columbus. This is the pick they got in exchange for Seth Jones's contract. Number seven, the Ottawa Senators. Number eight, Detroit. Number nine is Buffalo. Number 10, Anaheim. Number 11, San Jose. Number 12, Columbus with their own pick. Number 13, the Islanders. Number 14, Winnipeg. And the last lottery pick goes to Vancouver. Buffalo as well got their second first round pick from the Eichel trade and will pick again in the 16th spot. So quite familiar names in the top 5. New Jersey and Arizona have been the staples through the past few years. While Seattle will have themselves another top pick as the upcoming NHL franchise. Rest of the first round will conclude as the teams fall off the playoff race, but those were the important picks from the past week. But then to the top guys of this draft class. The consolidated number one pick, as I mentioned, has been Kingston's Canadian center Shane Wright, who will undoubtedly go first overall this summer. He's extremely well-balanced center, who pretty much doesn't have any flaws in his game, has a strong frame, great puck skills, good skating, and is able to find open teammates while being a constant shooting threat in the O-Zone. He's been the top guy of this draft for years now, especially now that Brad Lambert has taken a hit in the draft rankings and will be an invaluable asset for the Canadians going forward, who've been missing a top center from their first line. He will be exactly that, and even though he might not put up Art Ross caliber numbers in the NHL, you can expect Patrice Bergeron as carrier from this 6'1 center on the next level. The Abs will most likely start to groom him for the NHL already next year, since the center spot in Montreal is looking quite vague at the moment. And of course, there have been some rumors regarding Winnipeg's Pierre-Luc Dubois going to Montreal, but until that happens, 
the center spots in Gepek are there to be taken so expect to see him in their lineup already next year. After a ride the separation between the places 2 through 8 is in the air so your guess is as good as mine when it comes to ranking these next guys on this list. For me though the next big names on this list are Logan Cooley and Juraj Slavkovsky. Cooley is another dynamic two-way package who could see his name in the Selke Trophy at some point of his career while reaching high point totals as a future high-end top six center. He possesses a great offensive capacity and has been the top gun of this year's US NTDP squad who reminds me of a young Jonathan Tapes who was a real two-way threat with high-end skill and currently only knack on him is his size at 5'10 but his complete level more than makes up for it and I don't see it as a weakness on the next level. He has great hands, high hockey IQ, great vision and creativity and is able to beat goalies with his shot. Meanwhile he has to bulk up in order to find his spot on the next level but if a team is looking at a potential and overall game this might be the guy to choose at a second overall spot because of a pretty complete package at a young age which can be developed to a great extent. And meanwhile Cooley might lack size, his main competitor Slovakian Juraj Slavkovsky has exactly that attribute in his back pocket and has burst into the top 3 conversation after a major showing in this year's Olympic Games. The 6'2 power forward has all the tools to become an elite winger in the NHL and has showcased his high-end skills on the league level already this year. Overall he's still quite raw but has strong skating for his size, extremely good puck skills and elite shot which will intrigue teams consider their pick in the top 3 of this draft. Coming out of Slovakia he's had a lot to work on this past few seasons and that has paid dividends thus far so who is even willing to question his development going even further. There are still some holes in his game and for example he has to learn how to use his size more effectively in order to fulfill his potential because he most certainly has all the tools to become a dominant ozone threat on the next level similar to Mikko Rantanen who as well was groomed under the supervision of the TPS organization so there is certainly hope there. He will also represent the team Slovakia in the world championships so we get to see how he does against NHL caliber players in that tournament as well. But these two guys might be the offensive runners up after right but in their shadows lurk two extremely capable and high ceiling defensemen from the Slavic region and their names are David Jiricek and Simon Nemec who will join Slavkovsky to the men's world championships. Both right-handed shots own NHL caliber frames and while both have some work to do before entering the bright lights of the NHL, they certainly hold skill sets which could lead them to a first pairing deployment on the next level. But let's start with the Czech, Jiricek, who is the more defensive one of these two and owns a bag of tricks which could see him even manning the first power play unit for a team that eventually takes a flyer on him on the draft day. He has good skating for his size, absolute bomb of a shot from the point and he can dish the puck as well as any while having a nasty physical edge on the side. He uses his 6 foot 3 frame effectively and isn't afraid to throw his body around but just like many other middle European players he will need some time to adjust to North American playstyle even after playing his first full season in the extra league for Plaisen. He is extremely solid in his own end 
and really deploys his body while in the D zone and breaks up plays because of active defensive stick and physical nature. To me he is the top defenseman of this draft and has so well balanced toolkit that it can be ignored once the team start calling for his name on July. These kinds of right-handed defensemen don't grow on trees and the only concern on his part is the injury he suffered during the U20 World Championships, alongside the doubt of not being able to develop his offense to a level where we could see him as a number one defenseman for a team that eventually drafts him. I don't think that those aspects are going to weigh that much on the large scale, and especially when you look at his frame, overall skill set and his past season, you shouldn't even compare him to likes of Tento Matejak, Pavel Mintyukov or Kevin Korchensky, who are way more one-dimensional players and have lots of ground to cover on the defensive side of the puck, where Juricek already has that in his bag related to those three guys. Without a doubt guys mentioned earlier have some serious upside, but when comparing to the current stage of their status, Jiricek is to me the obvious top guy of this draft. Not necessarily the one when looking at the highest possible ceiling, but the maturity that he already has in his game and the possibility to groom him to a two-way beast on the next level. Simon Nemec, on the other hand, is probably the player that I'm most intrigued about in the top 10, since he comes from Slovakia and no offense to guys playing in that league, but there is still a real difference between the top leagues in Europe. And unfortunately, Slovakia isn't quite there yet when comparing to likes of SHL, Liga, NLA, DEL, and even Alsvenskan. So why I'm so intrigued about this prospect is the fact that he spent the entire season playing against men in the Slovakian league. And he has an intriguing set of tools on his disposal to become an elite two-way defender at some point on the next stage, if the right pieces fall to their places at the right time. Right-handed once again, solid frame, not as huge as you reject, but very mature nevertheless and high-end skills when it comes to puck carrying, as well as offensive and defensive zone play overall. He has proved that he is able to play against men in one of the European top leagues, but since we really didn't get to see him in the U20s, there is a certain gap when it comes to his projection when competing against the guys that have showcased their skills on the global level. Nevertheless, the ceiling for Nemec is sky high and teams looking for right-handed blue liners in the top 5 will take a look at him because of the package he provides. And do not take it like that, you weirdo. After those two guys, we head back to forward territory where the next few names could go anywhere from 4 to 10, depending on the valuation by each team. In this range, we find names such as Joachim Kemel, Cutter Gauthier, Matt Savoie, Jonathan Lekremaki, Daniela Jurov, Marco Kasper, and Frank Nazar. And add to that list wildcards Brad Lambert, Connor Geeky, and Russian Ivan Mirozinchenko, defenseman Pavel Mintyukov, Kevin Korczynski, and Denta Matejchuk. And we start to have a good bunch of names that could go at any time within the top 15 picks. According to most evaluations, the favorites to surely go into top 10 are Savoie, Kemel, Gauthier and Yurov. But don't be surprised if someone grabs another surprising name in the top 10 because we've seen that happening more often in recent years. But let's start with Kemel. At least fans from Finland are very aware of his game style. And just to be clear, he is one of the best goal scorers of this draft class, hands down. 
He had a tremendous surgery season in Ivascula, which led to his stock increasing tremendously from the start of the year. But after the injury he sustained before the Christmas break, his point totals experienced a hit. But fortunately, he was able to compose himself and led the Finnish U18 team to a bronze medal in this year's U18 World Championships and ended the tournament as their leading scorer. The right-handed winger has a nasty shot with quick release and will be a power play threat from the half wall on the next level. He has quick feet and slick hands which enable him to make the defenders respect his offense even more. And while he's not the biggest guy on the ice by any means, he doesn't shy away from the physical play and is very capable in the puck battles, especially in the offensive zone. He even has a shot to go in the top 5 with his offensive capabilities, but I see him as a surefire top 6 goal scorer on the next level, who could put up 40 goals in a season easily. After Kemel, we go back across the pond and take a glimpse at a guy that has surged up the rankings as of late because of his complete offensive package and a 6'3 frame that is ready for some NHL action. Carter Gauthier is the next name on this list and as I said, he might be physically one of those guys who could be able to step into the big league straight from the draft and take a similar approach to Cole Sillinger on the blue jackets. He has committed to Boston University for next season, so I'm not expecting him to leave straight to the NHL, but the possibility is certainly there because of his frame and skill set. He skates very well for his size, has great two-way game, which enables teams to use him on both special teams, and his biggest strength without a question, just like Kemel, is his big shot. He is a multi-tool with enticing skill set and his point totals from this year prove that he's a real option for a lottery pick in this year's draft. Consistency might be his biggest question mark, but even if he doesn't become this play-driving two-way threat, he will slot nicely in the top 9 and chip in some offense when necessary. So there's some rawness to his game like many others on this list, but has the potential to be a very high draft pick in this year's draft, as I said. And after those two snipers, we continue on the offensive side of the puck and take a look at the top WHL player of this draft class, and his name is Matthew Savoie. He is undoubtedly one of, if not the most elusive player of this draft class, and because of his elite skating ability, intrigues teams that would be willing to take a chance on an undersized forward with elite point production ceiling. He might have the highest offensive ceiling of this draft class if all goes to plan and there are no major weaknesses when it comes to his offensive game. Coming at 5'9", which will for sure lead some teams to other paths, but as Cole Caulfield for example has proved us once again in the NHL that you shouldn't only rely on the size factor when talking about possible elite offensive weapons of the future. Teams will shy away from him because of this fact, but a team that is willing to take a calculated risk will most likely have a gem in their hands, and there is a real possibility where he goes within the top 5 if teams are looking for a surefire offensive tool for their pipeline, but we'll see what eventually happens. The Braden Point-esque firecracker has outstanding hands, elite edges and quick shot, which he should utilize more often to be quite straight with you. He's a playmaker by heart and tends to overpass in some situations, but if he's able to learn to shoot more, he will reach 120 points next season in the dub with ease. 
But as I said, he will split opinions, but just so that you know, he is worth a top 10 pick. That's a factory guarantee. Go check some of his highlights and let's move on to our next guy. Next guy on our list is another representative of the US training program by the name of Frank Nazar. Here we have another high energy player with good mix of elite puck skills combined with blazing speed and once again, while he isn't blessed with a huge frame, he compensates it well with the overall effort level, shift in and shift out. The right-handed center slash winger was able to put up impressive numbers in a stacked US NTDP squad this season, and his ranking has been all over the first round, so it's not going to be an easy task to predict his future team once the draft arrives. He has the ability to elevate the play of his teammates on the ice, and especially his compete level brings out the best of each individual on his line and makes him stand out from the crowd in the process. He will be extremely valuable asset wherever he ends up in the lineup and the toolset tells you a story of a lengthy career in the bright lights. And the guy overall is an enticing prospect and as said, could end up anywhere on the draft board so keep a close eye on him once the name calling starts in Bell Center. Shifty, lethal and energizing package on offer. After Nazar, we head back to European continent where we meet the next three names, Lekkerimäki, Kasper and Jurov. So let's get into the details. Jonathan Lekkerimäki is another blessed goalscorer who has raised up the rankings because of a lights out performance in the U18 tournament, as well as strong showing in the Swedish first tier. The right-handed winger belongs to the natural-born goalscorer clan of this draft class, and his skating combined with great puck skills might lead him to a top 10 selection in the upcoming draft. Surefire top 6 winger on the next level had a tremendous showing in the U18 World Championships, where he earned himself the gold medal while taking home the scoring title with 15 points in just 6 games. He was part of their dominant first line and he really got to showcase his main weapon on their power play on the left flank and carried the team's offense alongside defenseman Matthias Havelid and his partners Noah Eslund and Liam Ögren and more of those guys coming up later. And I get some David Pasternak vibes from his playstyle mainly because of his strengths and meanwhile he might not have the same ceiling as him. The toolkit shouts out a future possible 40 even 50 goal scorer in the NHL. He has to hone out his defensive game before becoming a mainstay on the next level, but the offense certainly is there for the taking, let me make that clear. And I wouldn't be surprised if a team takes an early look at him, but the top 10 is almost a lock when it comes to this guy's draft projection. And we might as well stay in Sweden, since the next guy on the list is going to be the next possible big thing coming out of Austria. The 6'1 centerman Marco Kasper. Another very well-rounded player that will find his place on the next level sooner rather than later. And while his offensive upside might not amaze you at this point, his two-way power forward S playstyle should entice teams to take a look at him not later than the top 15. And if he's able to find a few more gears to his offensive game, we are talking about a two-way dynamo who could be a steal of this draft if everything goes to plan, since there really isn't a major flaw in his game at least they die no off. He's strong on his edges and generates a lot of power which makes him an effective forechecker and his physical style of play will intrigue teams coming the draft day. 
one of the more under the radar players of this draft so you shouldn't shy away from him even though the numbers won't amaze you at this point he played regular shifts in the SHL and while he doesn't possess a game-breaking attributes he will most certainly find his place in a team's top six at some point there's no question about that how high the teams evaluate him is another question on its own but for now at least for me he is a lock when it comes to top European talents and we get to see him representing his country in the world championships as well then we come across the first Russian of this draft class, another great two-way player with top six upside and his name is Danila Yurov. He spent majority of his year in the KHL but still has a long way when it comes to jumping to North America. And just like Kasper, Yurov possesses a greedy two-way playstyle mixed with great speed and skill. And you have probably already heard this once or twice before in this episode. And one of the main reasons for such a long KHL stay has been his maturity on the ice and his defensive game overall, which isn't usual for Russian-born players of this age. His offensive game and especially his shot still need some work if he wants to become a two-way threat in the NHL, but as you can see there is a plethora of strong two-way guys in this draft, so what the teams are looking for will eventually decide the order of these guys going in the early first round. And the offensive upside might be the key deciding factor at the end of it. And do not underestimate Yurov's offensive capability, since he has played limited minutes in the KHL and before that racked up 36 points in just 23 MHL games. And even though the league is not known for its defense, you can compare his numbers to previous first round Russians from the past to see if there's any correlation. We only got to see him in two games in the U20s, so there's still plenty to see here and the top 6 potential is undoubtedly there for the taking, that's for sure. But just as a note before we move on, he might not be the first Russian taken in this draft, so just put the name Gleb Trigazov into your notes for now. And after those guys, we will dwell back into the defensive territory where the top dogs are Kevin Korczynski, Denton Matejchuk and Pavel Mintukov. All guys possess a high top 4 potential but just like usual, these guys are quite a long ways away from the NHL ice. Currently Mintukov is the highest ranked player out of this trio, mostly because of his strong two-way game related to two more offensively oriented D-men. And all three guys have great puck carrying skills because of strong skating ability and offensive IQ. Mintyukov on his own right, as I said, is more ready defensively than the two North American guys and has a strong presence because of good shot and elusiveness. And I would be lying if I said that he wouldn't get to see time on the power play on the next level as well. He has a good frame which raises his stock and uses it effectively on both ends of the ice and you just can't ignore the fact that he was the top scoring defenseman in the OHL this season as a first year draft eligible player. He's going to be the next top 4 D-man from Russia so keep a close eye on him during the draft. Next up on my list is Seattle's Kevin Korczynski and what intrigues me the most on his part is his ceiling since He's been able to jump the rankings from the start of the year and has proved the scouts that he has some real upside to his game by putting up 65 points in 67 WHL games. He has a lot to work on overall if he wants to become a stable NHL top 4 blue liner but 
His skating ability combined with great confidence with the puck and his playmaking skill are things to look out for when considering the first round selection this year. He can be streaky at times which creates some questions and especially defense is the area that he needs to work on the most before jumping to the big league. But as I said, his 6'2 frame combined with his offensive capability is an intriguing package that might force teams to take a flyer on him who think that they could be able to hone out his deficiencies before dressing him for the NHL ice. Similar to Korczynski, Dentamatejak is another guy who oozes offensive potential, but at this point the defensive game is just too sus to consider him being a surefire top 15 pick of this draft. He's one of the best skaters of this draft class, but the surprising thing is that even with this strong skating mechanics, he can be beat from the outside at times, which makes it extremely interesting for me, since his back skating isn't on the same level as his forward skating. All his offensive tools scream high and upside, but all his offensive tools scream high and upside, but just the lapses in defense make me question his real upside, because we didn't see any major breakthroughs in the dub and he is also on the smaller side when it comes to his frame so he needs to pull up if he wants to be a lock top 4 guy. 64 points in 65 games proves his offensive worth and I have no doubts that he wouldn't be able to bring that offense to the next level but his defensive game has to become stronger if he wants a lengthy career in the bright lights. There is an offensive power play catalyst in the making but his shortcomings offensively might be the thing that shies away some teams when you have options to choose from in the early first round. Extremely high ceiling, but some doubt is attached to this package, so we'll see where he ends up eventually during the draft. Then we head back to forward territory, and we'll take a look at the so-called wildcards of the early first round, who could end up falling during the selection process. And first, we got finished Brad Lambert, whose draft stock has plummeted as of late and I get similar vibes to last year's draft, where we saw the highly touted prospect Aaturatu falling to the second round because of lackluster production in Liga during that season. Lambert was supposed to be the main contender for the first overall pick, but since we didn't see a lot of production on his part in Liga, many scouts started to doubt his offensive upside on the next level. Still though, to me, he is one of the most skilled players of this draft class and has a real upside to him. And next year, he just has to prove that he has the production in him, which we've been expecting to burst into the existence already this year. After all, the skill that he possesses hasn't faded away and you have to remember that this guy pretty much dominated the U20 tournament with 5 points in 2 games and really stood out in the few games we saw so I just don't quite understand why the scouts have shied away from him only because of lack of scoring in the men's league. One of the most elusive skaters of this draft class, elite playmaking ability and strong stick handling create a package that is already a problem on Ross Jenses, so I think that it's only a matter of time once he finds his offense in Liga and makes teams look foolish for not drafting him with their early picks. It has to be said though that he has kind of a consistency issue where he can disappear from the existence and has to learn to use his teammates more effectively. But you also gotta remember that he has played against men for two seasons and there is a real difference in the level when comparing to the guys that are dominating the junior levels. 
And I get that there is some doubt attached to his offensive numbers because after all, this was his second full season in the men's level and he wasn't able to increase his numbers, but he played for two bottom feeders and quite frankly, maybe didn't get the support he could have needed, which partly could explain the offensive numbers overall. But on the high side, you can't go behind that and I wanted to make sure that you consider that fact as well. He has lots to improve upon, I get that, and he might be two to four years away from the NHL, but just like Ratu proved that this year, it might only be a question of where you play, and because of that, I still see the upside in him, but work needs to be done in order to earn his spot as an elite next-level playmaker. Canadian Connor Geeky is facing similar path to Lambert, despite his already NHL frame. The 6'4 playmaker is an intriguing prospect in a sense that he has the capability to become a real impact number one center on the next level, but there are few big things that raise a question of how high his ceiling might end up being after all. He was able to put up impressive 70 points in 63 games and was able to show improvement on his biggest weakness, his skating this year, but that alone doesn't make him a lock when it comes to top 10 draft consideration. Extremely skilled player for his size and his enormous frame provides a toolkit that will make some teams drool for his upside, but on that same note, his defensive game and skating still need lots of work before heading to the big league. And unfortunately, in today's age, centers need to be consistent on both sides of the puck, and a good example of that is Austin Matthews and how he's been able to become a real MVP candidate because of his work in the defensive zone. Yeah, well, he also took home 60 Geno, so there's that as well. But when you look at his numbers defensively, you see that he was throughout the season one of the best defensive players in the league 5-on-5 five five, and thus has been labeled numerously as the best player in this league. Say what you want. But like I said, the upside is once again there, but if teams want to draft more reliable options, he might end up falling in the rankings on July 7th. And the last guy from this batch of prospects is Russian Ivan Mirozinchenko. And if you are not aware, he was diagnosed with Hodgins lymphoma, a type of cancer which affects body's germ-fighting immune system. So the starting point for him heading into the draft is quite a different one to most of his competition. Hopefully he is able to make a quick recovery and is able to get back onto the ice as soon as possible because he undoubtedly is one of the top tier Russians in this draft class and was regarded as a surefire top 10 pick before the diagnosis. And I hate the fact that his draft stock really drops because of his illness, but the fact is that no one can make any assumptions regarding his health going forward. But there is a real possibility that a team that is willing to draft him gets a gem in their hands because of the skill set he already possesses. This guy is bonafide sniper who will be a constant threat on the power play and because of his NHL ready shot and skating, he could end up in the NHL quicker than many expect. He has a strong frame and he has proved his worth on every level he's played thus far. And I don't see the situation as an end for him, but more so a situation where he will become even stronger and make most of his chances going forward. He reminds me of Anders Lee, more skilled version of him because of his height and shot, 
And there's no doubt that he wouldn't be able to break into the NHL's top six with all the tools on his disposal. He belongs to the elite of goal scoring of this draft class and his offensive talents will serve the team that drafts him once he's made his recovery and jumps back into the ice sometime in the future. Don't be surprised when this guy starts to make a name for himself after his comeback. And even though I can see these guys being the top guys of this class, there are multiple different names that could deserve a spot in the early first round. And I even believe that some teams will mesh up the rankings by drafting guys earlier than many could expect. But because of that, let me lay down the next names that might find themselves higher on the draft board than the rankings might suggest. From the North American side, we have likes of Jimmy Stukkerud, Luca Del Belbelus, Owen Pickering, Ryan Chesley, Owen Beck, Isaac Howard, Rutger McCrory, Jagger Ferkus, Lane Hudson, and Seamus Casey. While from the European side, the next intriguing names include Liam Ögren, Liam Bichel, Jiri Kulic, Alexander Perevalov, Kleptri Kosov, Elias Salomonson, Noah Öslund, Matthias Havelid, Filip Messara, Filip Busted, and Kalle Odelius. The Europeans especially rose up the rankings after the U18 World Championships and it's clear that some of these names will challenge the top half of this draft because of solid showing in the tournament. But let's get into the nitty gritty of these prospects. First off, my top guys from this list. Snuggerud, Del Belbelus, Chesley, Howard, McCrory, Ferkus, Ögren, Kulic, Havelid and Drkosov. Starting with Snuggerud, who once again possesses an NHL caliber frame with great knack for goal scoring and is another one of those guys who will make his living on the power play as a shooter. He's been all over the rankings as you could expect at this point, but as of late people have seen him as a first round caliber talent because of his shooting ability. To me he has a real chance of breaking into the NHL within the next three years, and if he doesn't manage to reach his ceiling in the top six, he will become extremely effective middle of the lineup player with a real scoring touch. His size and strength are real factors when looking at his development curve and all of his attributes convince me to believe that he will become an impactful NHL forward sometime in the very near future. His skating is strong for his size, defensive awareness is where it needs to be at this stage and the physique is on the top half of this draft without questions. I'm very intrigued to see what type of a player he will eventually become since he is that type of offensive weapon that could become a real asset on the next level if his trend keeps rising during the next few seasons. Next on the line is the best name of this class, Luca Del Belbelus. And once again we find ourselves a projectable two-way guy with slick hands and great frame who could be developed into an extremely effective two-way center on the next level. Belus has similar characteristics to Phyllis Sanko Tourier, where he's tall but lanky at this stage and looking to add some muscle to his frame, but once that happens he could become a reliable top six center in the NHL. In order to become that, he needs to add some physicality to his game and while he's great on his edges, he could use some added pep to his step to break away from the opposition, but I believe that those attributes will become part of his toolkit once he gets some meat on his bones. 
So as you can see, the potential is pretty unknown at this stage and the strong numbers from the OHL will pursue teams to take a chance on a player that has rocketed up the rankings this year. Elite hands and good mix of playmaking ability and goal scoring capability bring an added edge to his name. So this guy could be one of those players that surprises many by going in the top 10 or top 15 because of a unknown ceiling and great development curve during his draft year. After Belus, we meet the guy that led the Team USA in scoring in this year's U18 tournament and his name is Isaac Howard. Another offensive dynamo who has seen his name all over the draft rankings this year but still looks like a home run first round choice however you want to put it. Only question remains, how high of a draft pick? Howard's ability to score goals on every level he's played creates a real interest of his capabilities on the next level. A bit undersized forward is one of the elite offensive threats in this year's draft, but since he has some development to do before jumping into the NHL, that might shy away some teams when you have a plethora of players that are seemingly few years ahead of their readiness when it comes to, for example, physique. Without questions, this bit undersized forward has all the offensive tools to become a high-end top 6 winger on the next stage, and if teams are willing to pass on him during the draft, one of them will certainly receive a high value asset in return for their willingness, which will benefit the franchise in the long run. So in my eyes, top 15 pick in this draft, let's move on to the next one. And while we're going through the USNTDP prospects, we might as well take a look at Howard's teammate, lethal power forward Rutger McCrory, who as well has flirted with the top 10, but doesn't seem to be a lock in the first half of the draft after all. Fairly complete package once again with goal scorers mentality and reliable two-way presence, whose only major weakness is the skating, which has lowered his draft stock during the year. Meanwhile, he's built like a modern-day power forward who uses his frame effectively against opponents. He has a sneaky side to him, which relies on finesse, and if he's able to improve on his skating, he could become the most dangerous offensive threat of this draft. He has a booming shot and he doesn't shy away from the physical play whatsoever. And while defenders have to respect his shot, he has developed a skill to find the open teammates from the back door when defenders get over-aggressive trying to block his shot, so the playmaking is in his repertoire as well. At some point, he was ranked in the top 5, but since others have raised their stocks more, he has dropped a bit in the rankings, but expect to see him going in the 12-20 to 20 range, while teams look for high upside picks with some development left to be done. Great asset overall on the NHL ice, without questions. Jagger Fergus is a name that has rise to the occasion when it comes to his ranking in this year's draft. One of the best stick handlers in the draft class has showcased his offensive talents this year in the WHL and has rocketed up the rankings because of exactly that. The right-handed winger has the necessary tools to become an effective top 6 scorer on the next level and is willing to set up his teammates for great scoring chances as well as take the opportunity to bury one in the back of the net. He could be a massive power play asset for a team if his development curve stays on course and especially if he's able to improve his skating a tad bit, which isn't lackluster currently by any means. And the way he's been able to compete against the best players of this draft class should relieve some of the suspicion about his future projection. 
Because, for example, he outplayed many top players during the CHL All-Star game and shined beside number one pick Shane Wright in that game. Not a lock when it comes to his ceiling, but the tool should attract some attention once teams drafting closer to the 20s start to decide on their top picks of this year's draft. Then we jump back across the Atlantic Ocean and take a closer look at Ögren, Kulic, Trikosov, Öslund and Havelid. Liam Ögren was part of the lethal Swedish first line and has the makings of a future NHL top 9 forward at minimum. He spent half of this year in the Swedish first tier and dominated the U20 level by scoring 58 points in 30 games for Dugården. He's extremely well-balanced and versatile forward who is strong on the puck and possesses a dangerous shot and thus far hasn't got the recognition he deserves, at least in my mind. He's a tempo pusher on the ice and creates both turnovers as well as scoring chances with his speed and skill and in my mind might be the most complete player of this year's draft class. There are no red flags attached to him, so the only question remains as where his ceiling eventually might be. Is it top 6? Is it in the top 9? Or could he even take up a spot from the first line and provide support for two more offensively oriented forwards? Those are great questions in my mind and I'm excited to see how his story continues since he didn't amaze people with his point totals from the SHL and people seem to underrate him. But if you want a surefire NHL package with all-around skill, this is your guy. You won't regret picking him. When it comes to his linemate Noah Öslund, there we have a playmaking maestro with deceptive hands and overall elusiveness with the puck. This was the guy who fed Lekkerimäki in the Ozone and that is his trademark elite playmaking skill. He possesses high hockey IQ, is great on his skates and plays with tremendous pace, challenging the opposing defenders on a shift-to-shift basis and can create scoring chances with his deceptiveness. Only knock on his game comes from his goal scoring or the lack of it, since he seems to lack a real threatening goal scoring mindset, but when you consider him being a pass first guy, you understand where that comes from. And if he improves on that front going forward and is able to put the puck back in the net, team drafting him will acquire a dangerous top six center for their pipeline who will need some grooming but will end up in a top 6 role without any major doubts. He has to bulk up in order to take the next step in his development but that comes with training and all the other aspects of his offensive game are there so few more years of development will do him good and increase his chances of reaching his ceiling as a high-end playmaker in the show. The last Swede of this batch is going to be Matthias Havelid, a son of a former NHL defenseman Niklas Havelid. This undersized right-handed defenseman had himself a tremendous U18 World Championship tournament by recording 12 points in 6 games, but still didn't manage to find himself in the Tornis All-Star team. He has raised up the rankings as an aftermath of that performance and currently his biggest obstacle seems to be his small stature. He reminds me of his fellow Swede Adam Boquist with the way he approaches the game with offensive mindset, has great puck skills, tremendous passing ability and is extremely smooth skater with strong edge work. He has flirted with first round selection but since there is a plethora of more ready NHL options on offer, he tends to follow towards the start of the second round 
because of holes in his defensive game and his smaller frame. He has real power play quarterback potential in him, but there are some uncertainties related to his real upside, which could see him falling to the second round, but there also is a chance of him being selected at the end of the first round because of strong offensive upside and NHL roots. After Havelid, we come across another player that went beyond the expectations in the U18s and has gone under the radar for many before his showing in that tournament. And that player is the Czech native Jiri Kulic. 11 points in 6 games and a nomination to the tournament all-star team. This slick Czech was their dominant player throughout the tournament and really showcased his great two-way game, mixed with excellent skating, quick hands and deceptive shot which have caused him to get closer to the top 15 conversation in this year's draft. He also possesses relentless motor, and if all goes well, he could become extremely effective two-way player in the top six on the next level, who could add numbers to the table because of his skating ability and the way to create scoring chances. There's still some work to be done before considering his entrance to the NHL, but the tools are certainly there to make his impact on the NHL ice. And if you do remember, I suggested to put down the name Kleb Trigasov earlier in this episode. And now it's time to take out those notes again, because we are going to bite into this highly skilled but raw offensive unit. This guy might be one of the most divisive players of this year's draft class, and for a good reason. His hockey IQ has impressed many people already and his raw skill set intrigues many scouts that have seen him play in an inferior Russian junior league. Able to find open teammates in the slot with ease and attack high danger areas consistently are his main strengths and even though his skating isn't world class, he has tools to improve on that aspect since pretty much he only lacks solid mechanics from his stride so if he's able to fix that in his skating he could become even bigger threat on the transition since his shot is already a work in progress and has showed improvements already this year. Extremely raw package with lots of question marks attached to him but if his game translates to the next level and he's able to make adjustments to his game against men this could be one of the bigger steals of the draft because of his offensive mindset and tool set. So keep tabs on him and remember to mark down the team that eventually takes him to their organization. And after those five Europeans, we head back across the ocean and take a quick peek at the North American defensemen who have been left out of the top tier of the first round. And in that bunch, we find ourselves D-men Lane Hudson, Ryan Chesley, Owen Pickering and Seamus Casey. We will start with the duo Hudson Casey since both guys possess similar packages in a sense that they rely heavily on their offensive attributes and strong skating but on the same time lack size and defensive game that most of the guys that we've mentioned earlier in this preview do have. Okay, Matejchuk and Korczynski are a bit questionable but most of all they lack size, Hudson especially. So like I said, both are great skaters and their play counts on their puck carrying ability since they are able to join the rush with ease and carry the puck up the ice consistently. Casey is a right-handed shot while Hudson handles the puck on his left side and has more developed defensive game than Casey but is a real wild card because of his small stature while standing at 5'8 tall. 
Both guys have top four potentials on the next level, but since there is a lot of work to be done before even considering an NHL debut for these two, teams might shy away from drafting them early on during the draft since once again, there are more developed guys standing in front of them in the rankings. The skill sets are impressive, but size is the real concern at this stage. And if they are ever able to find ways to compensate on those weaknesses on the next level. This is exactly why their rankings have fluctuated tremendously throughout the year, since we've already seen them struggling with bigger opponents under the same age group, so how long it would take to develop stable enough game style to battle against much stronger and bigger opponents on the next level. Teams that draft these two rely on offensive potential and know that there is a long road ahead of them before the transition to the NHL ice. But we will keep close tabs on these guys since they've committed to top programs in the United States, the University of Michigan and Boston Uni. So if one thing is at least concrete, it is the fact that these two will get the coaching they need in order to increase their chances of reaching the NHL at some point of their career. Very intriguing prospects, but lots of work is needed to say the least. And after a few not-so-ready prospects, we meet Mr. Ryan Chesley, who has one of the most NHL-ready skill sets amongst this year's defensemen, since even though he's still trying to find another gear to his offense, his defense is one of the best in this draft class, and thus could find himself on the NHL eye sooner than many might expect, and should be a future top 4 defenseman without any questions. He already is a terrific shutdown guy with physical edge and active defensive stick, while also being able to transition the puck off the ice after forcing the turnover. If his skating and offense find new footholds, the first pairing upside is not out of the question whatsoever, so low risk, high reward player, who should be a first round choice without questions, if you ask me. Has solid frame and is strong on his skates, while the handedness is also an added bonus to his draft stock, and one of my favorite D-men of this draft class, so don't sleep on my guy. And the last guy of this segment is the WHL defenseman Owen Pickering, who stands at impressive 6'4", and thus is one of the bigger players of the top end of the draft class. He has jumped up the rankings tremendously this year, and I can easily understand why that is the case. Big frame good skater for his size, strong numbers from his first full season in the dub, and overall toolset made for modern day defensemen. So there is a real promise here when it comes to his future projection. He is more developed defensively than most D-men in this class and now it seems that scouts are currently waiting for him to fill his huge frame in order to become even more dominant force on both ends of the ice. He has good shot from the point and that is exactly why I could see him operating on a team's second power play unit and overall could be utilized on all situations because of the versatility he possesses. Not a home run pick by any means but the tools are there for a top 4 defenseman on the next level without questions. And before we end the episode I want to point out a few more names that could stand out within the next few years and could be surprising risers during the draft if teams are willing to take a chance on one or two of these guys. So let's break down the last names of the 2022 top tier class. Owen Beck, Mississauga Steelheads, elusive offensive contributor with high-end puck skills, has impressed in the OHL this season and has improved his draft stock with strong two-way game and possesses a top 9 upside at minimum. 
while I could see him as a team's second line setter who will put up decent numbers because of his good skating and puck skills. Philip Bysted, Lynn Chirping, another big body forward poised for a top 9 role in the NHL. And while he doesn't possess elite offensive upside, his frame and overall game make me believe him making his NHL debut within the next few years in a support role on the bottom six. Big frame, good skating and powerful playstyle oozes NHL potential but might slip towards the second round because of the lack of offensive firepower. Nathan Gaucher, Gebek Ramparts, big, heavy, nasty and responsible two-way power forward who has decent offensive upside because of his net front presence. Skating is his biggest weakness, but if he's able to improve that aspect of his game, he will become an impactful top 9 option for some team in the future. David Goyet, Sudbury Wolves, skilled and slick center who has recently raised up the rankings because of his offensive upside. There certainly is some risk involved in drafting this guy, but future top 6 playmaker is his real upside if he's able to improve upon his weaknesses which lay in consistency and defensive game. I'm not as sold on this guy as many scouts, but it is undeniable that this guy has real upside to his game and recently proved it by putting up 73 points in 66 games in his first OHL season. And mind you, in a team that didn't have that much firepower offensively overall. So pretty high risk, high reward guy and should hear his name called in the second round at the latest. Jack Hughes, Northeastern University. Yes, another Hughes and shares the same name as the New Jersey Devil superstar. Not related, but is the son of the new Canadiens GM, Ken Hughes, and could find himself in the second round because of strong two-way game and playmaking ability. Not huge upside, but promising player with lengthy NHL career in front of him. Rigor Lawrence, HAHL. Longshot prospect with promising frame, strong skating and great physical two-way game. Similar to Oilers pick Dylan Holloway. At tops, top 6 option but more suitable for the middle 6 at this point but has been rising up the rankings as of late and for a very good reason. But still, lots to prove so could end up falling in the draft order because of the current league he plays in. Alexander Perevalov, Lokomotiv Yaroslav. Highly skilled but extremely raw scoring winger who has some interesting tools in his arsenal but is years away from the NHL ice. He is a good skater who is able to break away from the opposition's defenders because of his box skills and at the end of it is a very dangerous playmaker who should utilize his shot more often. First round upside but because of the current global situation could see himself dropping in the rankings because of the uncertainty related to Russian prospects. Liam Bichel, Lexand. Towering 6-foot-5 defenseman with great puck skills and physical edge is one of those under-construction prospects who has very high ceiling but has a lot of work to do before joining an NHL lineup. Reminiscent of a Jamie Alexiak with much inferior defensive game at this point, but will find himself on the NHL ice at some point without questions. And if you haven't seen him play, I would encourage you to watch his highlights because these type of guys are 1 in a 100, so... Please go take a quick glance at his highlight reel. Tristan Luno, getting the Olympics, most likely the best shutdown defender of this draft class, has made a case for himself and should be considered as a first round pick at this point of the season. His big frame enables him to cut down shooting and passing lanes, 
Strong defensive stick breaks up plays consistently, and if those tools don't bite, he has a nasty physical edge to his game, which will frustrate opposing forwards without a doubt. Luno has some offensive upside as well, and because of his handedness, good puck and distribution skills, and strong skating for his size, he could end up seeing some ice time on the power play as well on the next level, if he's able to improve his shot from the point even more. Looks to be ready for some NHL action in few years, and the NHL future is pretty much locked down if injuries don't bother him later in his career. In my papers, a first-round pick as a late-round selection. Ty Nelson, North Bay Battalion. Here's another elusive undersized puck carrier whose offensive upside will intrigue many franchises looking for their next power play quarterback to their blue line from this year's draft. And it feels like the two main categories this year were two-way forwards with scoring knack or undersized slash undeveloped offensive blue liners. And once again, we find another suitor to that category. Great skating, great skating, strong puck skills, very high hockey IQ and the ability to carry the puck up the ice himself or set up his teammates with accurate passes. I believe you've heard this story before already. Am I right? His size once again is the biggest concern here, any small frame in this case also leads to defensive struggles at times, so that aspect needs some work before considering a debut in the bright lights. Needs few years of development, so team that has already guys lined up for the future might be willing to take him rather early, because of the skills he already possesses. Kaleo Delius, Dugoden, fluid four-way skater with great puck distribution skills, has improved his first round odds, throughout the season and is closing on the top guys of this draft class because of his solid showing in the U18s. Yet another great blue line puck mover who has the two-way ability in his back pocket and is the embodiment of a modern-day NHL defenseman. If teams want reliable two-way option to their back end for years to come, here is my two cents. This is the guy only for you, my friend. We've seen what these young Swedish defensemen will become in few years, so do not hesitate on this one either. They are in good hands in their teams and you can count on him becoming a mainstay defenseman in the NHL in the very near future. And the last player of this run through is going to be another Swede by the name of Elias Salomonsson. One year ago, this guy was ranked as one of the top European defensemen in this draft class, but since has seen his stock plummeting mainly because of inconsistency flaws in his defensive game and overall doubt about his future ceiling. The right-handed blue liner is a tremendous skater and good quarterback first power play unit at some point, and there still is a top-pairing upside in him, which will only become true if he's able to reframe his defensive game during the next few years. He possesses tremendous skill, but the flaws in his defensive game have plummeted his draft stock and approaches the draft as a small underdog, if I can say so. But if the team drafting him is willing to give him some time, start focusing on his development and provide tools to make that part of his game better than it has been ever before, there is a real possibility that he becomes a stable NHL two-way defenseman. But like I said, we are ways away from that happening and he needs to put on his big boy pants and start focusing on his development even more in order to fulfill his potential at the next level. But those were pretty much the top guns of this year's draft, which you should pay close attention to come to draft day. And just as a last point, you should write down names. Julian Lutz, Bryce McConnell-Barker, Philippe Mezar, 
Matias Sapovaliv, Michael Butchinger, Simon Forsmark, Thomas Mara, Maverick Lemoureux, Samrin Zell and Adam Ingram to your nose because these guys could be valuable assets that didn't get to be mentioned in the main part of this episode. Those guys have intriguing assets that might blossom after a few years so those guys could be value picks at the end of the second round or even after that if no one is willing to risk it during the very first round. If you feel like I missed some names, feel free to point them out since this year's draft class has seen lots of movement and while Shane Wright is considered to be as the home run number one pick of this draft, many have questioned his upside related to few other guys on this list because he hasn't been able to amaze us in the OHL even though he has dominated that league with his play without production that many expected to see before the season started. I won't worry about that aspect as a Canadiens fan and I'm more than happy to see him in red, white and blue because I'm not expecting Nolan Patrick 2.0 even though we could see some similarities in these two players. Let me know who your top prospects of this draft class are and who you would hope to see your team drafting once the name calling starts on July. Also, if you feel like I overrated some prospects, give me your two cents since I don't get to see as much of the North American guys as probably you do. So give me some feedback and we can address the situation as a unit and consider dropping slash rising the guys talk for the next draft episode. The playoffs are heating up even more as does the weather and we are starting to get closer to the climax of the NHL season. So I couldn't be more excited to see the ending to this story now that we've started to go back to normal life and enjoy the things that we've been missing for the past two and a half years. And hopefully you feel the same way. I will keep you posted on the NHL front so you just need to attend this on a weekly basis and you will get your weekly dose of hockey nonsense insured by yours truly. So you just have to relax and enjoy the moment. Hope you enjoyed this first 2022 draft preview episode. It was a blast to make as you could expect. Lots of big names in this draft and overall very complete package from the first round onwards. So I'm excited to see how these guys will rank in July once teams are done with their own rankings and are finalizing their picks before the draft. Few wild cards in the air as always, and the gambling side of this event is what brings people to the edge of their seats. Not a whole lot of expected elite level goaltenders in this draft class. Few notables can be found, but I'm not going to bother you with those at this point anymore. But I would advise you to check the Hockey Writers website to learn more about these prospects and get deep dives into each individual top prospect. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and wish you all the best, my guy. I'm signing off, so stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.